Robert said, my name is Evan Kalo, and I'm, I get to share the word with you guys this morning. This is quite an honor for me to be able to stand up here and share God's word. And I don't take it lightly, it's something very serious. Um, I really appreciated the worship service today. It was a fantastic experience worshiping God here and being able to share that with all of you. So we are uh, going through the book of Mark, and I get the honor of sharing Mark chapter 2, uh, the first 12 verses with you, which is an incre incredibly powerful story about a paralyzed man that was carried to Jesus by four faithful friends of his. Now, this isn't just a story about faithful friends. It's also an incredibly powerful story about Jesus forgiving and healing as well. And these men, they, they were desperate to get their friend to Jesus, and they went through great lengths. And when I think of a time in my life when I was desperate to get somebody somewhere for healing, I can think of one story in particular about my daughter, Emma. She's 16 years old now, but when she was about a month old, uh, we had a terrifying experience with her. It was the middle of the night. I woke up for some reason just out of a dead sleep and had a, a feeling in my stomach to go check on her. She was lying in the bassinet next to the bed, and when I peeked in at her, she was blue in the face and she wasn't breathing. And she was looking up at me with these terrified eyes, and her mom and I didn't know what to do. I flipped her over in a panic, tried to pat her back and clear her throat, or seeing if she's choking on her tongue, and couldn't figure out what was going on with her. So luckily we lived only a couple of blocks away from the hospital, and I remember picking her up and carrying her close to me, and just rushing down to the car and speeding to the hospital while carrying her. We didn't have time for seat belts or car seats or diaper bags or anything. We were just desperate to get Emma to the hospital. And thank God, as we pulled into the parking lot, she cleared whatever she had been choking on and began breathing again. And there was this amazing sigh of relief. Um, we had her checked out and there wasn't any long-term side effects or any damage to her lungs, thank God. But that was an incredibly desperate time in my life, I can remember, where I went through great lengths to carry her. And, and I remember thinking to myself, if I could just carry her into that hospital and get her there, where, where someone greater than me could heal her and fix her, that everything would be okay. And in the story we're gonna to read today, um, this is what those friends were thinking too. If they could just carry their friend to Jesus, uh, they could receive healing. Uh, I'm gonna start reading. And if you guys want to follow along in the few Bibles that we have, uh, the page number is 1426. And it is Mark chapter 2, <clears throat> verses 1 through 12. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. Some men came bringing to him a paralyzed man, carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it, and then lowered the mat the man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, Why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? <clears throat> Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, Why are you thinking these things? Which is easier to say to the paralyzed man, Your sins are forgiven? Or to say, Get up, 
take your mat and walk. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. He got up, took his mat and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone and they praised God saying, we have never seen anything like this. Let's pray. Father God, I pray that you would speak to us, Lord, as we study your word today and learn about these faithful friends and the compassion and care and love of Jesus Christ. God, I pray that you would help us to relate this story to our life as, as we learn about this amazing story of faith. I thank you for giving us the opportunity to learn about you and study your word and relate it to our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, verse 1 opens by telling us that the people heard that Jesus had come home. You know, by now, Jesus had performed many miracles, and he was deep into his ministry, and his fame had begun to spread throughout all the land. So he was quite popular. People knew who he was, and they were coming to see him and witness him. And the story opens up by saying that he had re returned to Capernaum. And this was most likely considered to be like Jesus' home base for his ministry. Now, he didn't have a house of his own there because it would have been very difficult for him to maintain a house of his own during the ministry. It was most likely believed that this house that they met in was Simon Peter's house. Now, the type of house is much different than the type of houses that we have here. We all have slanted roofs that are designed to get snow to repel off of it and rain to run down. But this type of architecture in this region of the land uh, had flat roofs on it. And that was designed so that you could go up via a staircase or a ladder on the side, and people did work up there. Like they set up a shop where they would dry figs or fruit or make wine or sometimes go up there just to take a nap during the day. So this roof uh, was flat, and there was a place where people could access the roof. It says that so many people gathered to see Jesus that it was crowded and you couldn't even get near the door. So imagine that for a moment, if you've ever been to like a concert where there's just people, and, and throngs of people as far as you can see, you just know that there's, there's no way that you could possibly elbow your way through those people, right? This is the experience that these men had while carrying their paralyzed hand. You know, here living in Iowa, it's hard to imagine traffic like that. But I grew up in New York, um, just outside the city, where there is traffic just about everywhere. If you're driving somewhere during the day, you're going to run into traffic. And I remember one time in particular when I was driving along a stretch of highway that I drove all of the time to get to church, and it was a bumper-to-bumper -bumper traffic. It's about a five-mile stretch that takes about 35 minutes to travel, but it's the only way to get there. And one day in particular, I was about 50 yards away from my exit, and it was just shoulder-to-shoulder -shoulder traffic, if you will. And I thought, let me pull off on the shoulder and take this exit. I'm just going to drive off real quick. Soon as I pulled off onto the shoulder, whoop, 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 the blue lights lit up behind me. And I'm like, oh man. So I pull over. I'm 18 years old. This was a long time ago. I'm not going to tell you how long because I don't want you to know how old I am. But I pull over and the officer, the state trooper comes up and I'm trying to, I'm giving every excuse in the book. I'm like, officer, I've driven this a thousand times. I've never driven on the shoulder. Please, you know, give me a break. He didn't care about all the times I did good. He, he, all he cared about was the one time that I drove on the shoulder and I was stuck in this traffic, you know, desperate to get to my exit. 
he didn't care. He gave me a ticket anyway. It was a pretty expensive $280 ticket back then. So that was expensive. You know, growing up in New York, traffic was, was just kind of the thing. And these men that were trying to get to Jesus experienced shoulder-to-shoulder -shoulder people traffic that they had to go through a desperate measure to get around the traffic because they knew, they had faith in their heart, they knew that if they could just get their friend to Jesus, that he would be healed. You know, in verse 4, uh, we learn about the men making their way up to the rooftop. This probably wasn't a very easy task to do. Uh, it, it might have been a ladder. So try carrying a man, a full-grown man, up a ladder on a mat. It was probably pretty difficult. But they stuck to it. They knew that if they could get to Jesus, that this man would be healed. These men had big faith. They knew that if they only got their friend up there, that he would be healed. They had belief in their heart, belief in Jesus, that he, he was who he said he was. And he was doing the things that he said he could do. You know, do you have friends in your life that you know need to get to Jesus? You know, are you willing to use what you have to carry these friends of yours to Jesus, to bring them to the one that can help them? You know, for us as a church, the way that we carry people to church, the way that we have a stretcher is our ministries. You know, Todd's Place, the Sober Living House, Kids Club, our outreach to children, Angel Tree, our prison ministry, the Bible studies that we use. This is the way that we as a church reach out to people in the world and offer them a stretcher, a mat, to carry them to Jesus. We're using what we have to reach out to people. What does that look like for you in your life? How can you use what God has given you to reach out to people and to bring them to Christ? God has given us all gifts and abilities that we're to use for his work. So I challenge you to use what you have to bring people to Christ. You know, these men broke through the roof above Jesus, and this would have, this would have no doubt captured everybody's attention. If you imagine right now, somebody breaking through the roof above us, we would all stop talking. I sure, I certainly would. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I wouldn't know what was going on. I would think that, you know, something dramatic was about to happen, and it did. This man got lowered in through the roof. That's, that's pretty amazing. You know, all eyes were on that man. You know, in verse 5, it says, When Jesus saw their faith, when Jesus saw the faith of the men that were carrying their friend to Jesus. How many of you guys know that there is power in the faith that we have for our friends? That's called intercession. When we intercede on behalf of friends of ours, to pray and bring them to Christ. There's power in our prayers and our thoughts for people. Do you have faithful friends that surround you? Do you have friends that are surrounding you that will carry you when you need them? Evaluate the friends that are around you. Are you the faithful friend that can carry your friends? You know, there was a long period of life in my life where I walked away from my faith. And I wasn't living in line with God's word. And my parents, among other people, prayed for me and interceded on my behalf and prayed that God would reveal himself to me and bring me back to him and soften my heart. And after many years of 
of faithful prayers by my friends and my family, I return to God. And that their their faith and their and their powerful prayers played a significant part in my return to faith. It carried me back into relationship with God. Jesus saw their faith, and he said to the man, Son, your sins are forgiven you. You know, all his life, this paralyzed man thought that there was some sin in his life that was preventing him from being healed. There was prior thinking there. In biblical days, it was common to believe that if you had an ailment or a health problem, or you were paralyzed or blind or had some type of disability, that it was because of some sin in your life. So this man had Jesus look at him and tell him that his sins were forgiven publicly in front of an entire crowded, sold-out audience. That must have been a very emotional moment for that man who was probably pretty scared. I imagine the hole that they made probably wasn't big enough for his whole entire mat to get lowered down, so he was probably being lowered very dangerously down to Jesus. And in that moment, Jesus looks at him and forgives him. It probably warmed his heart quite a bit. Jesus saw the greater need in this man's life. Instead of looking at his disability, Jesus looked at the real cause, the real need that this man had. Did you know that your physical body can feel just fine, yet there are big, bad things that could be going on on the inside? We've heard it before, or maybe you've had this happen to you, where you get a really scary diagnosis of cancer or some other type of illness, and you hear about somebody looking at the doctor and saying like, well, I feel just fine. I, don't, I feel great. I don't feel like there's something going on inside. Well, sometimes the doctor has to tell you the truth about your condition, and you have to believe what he's telling you, even if you don't feel it. Well, it's that same way with the sin problem in our life. Sometimes we read the Bible and we hear about sin problems or things that we shouldn't do or it exposes things in our lives that are not in line with God's word and we think to ourselves, well, I don't really feel like that's a problem. I've thought that many times. Well, I tell you right now that all sin is a problem. Every piece of sin is a problem. None of it is too small or too great. Sin is sin in the eyes of the Lord. Jesus spoke to this man's true disability. A disability, by definition, is something that prevents you from living life to the fullest. When you have sin in your life, there's a weight that you carry with it. We've all experienced that weight before. We've all felt it. Some of it's greater than others, but it's all a weight. When you're carrying that weight of sin in your life, it's going to prevent you from living the life that God meant for you to live. It's going to keep you from living life to the fullest. God forgives. That is who he is. Did you know that if you start reading the Bible at page one, and you read it straight through, the first time you're going to come across a condensed, a condensed definition of the character of God is in Exodus 34, verses 6 and 7. And it says that God passed in front of Moses, proclaiming the Lord the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love, 
and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands, and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. That's who God is. That is the definition of the character of God. He forgives. He's compassionate. He is loving. He is caring. What does this tell us about God? That he wants to love you. And he wants to forgive you. That's just who he is. Jesus told the man the most important thing that that man needed to hear. What was this man's greatest need? His friends probably would have said his, the healing, that he was paralyzed. Well, did you know that you can be healed and you can still go to hell? Sickness doesn't separate us from God. Sin does. What good is healing if you go to hell because of your sin? Jesus spoke to the greater need in this man's life. Mark 8, 36 and 37 tells us, it says, What good is it for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? Jesus told the man the most important thing that he had to hear, his forgiveness. What was the man's greatest need? Sin is the only thing that separates us from God. It's not sickness. It's not regret. It's not shame. It's not trauma. It's not sadness. It's not addiction. The only thing that keeps us from God is unconfessed, unrepented sin. That is the only thing. You know, being paralyzed might have been what physically kept this man from standing up and walking to Jesus. But it was his sin that was keeping him from relationship with the caring and love of God. It wasn't his life. It was the root cause that was deep down inside of him. Jesus displayed real power here as God. In verse 6 and 7, it speaks of these religious leaders that were sitting there thinking to themselves, who can forgive sins but God himself? Well, these skeptics, they had it right. Only God can forgive your sins. Jesus' response to the scribes' thoughts was to say out loud, which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to get up, take your mat, and walk? Well, on the surface, it's much easier to speak to the internal, right? Because there's, there's not a physical presence of saying, stand up and walk. If he, if he said that and the man didn't get up and walk, he, it would be lack of proof. Jesus was dealing with the internals that no one can see and the externals. He dealt with both. Jesus was basically saying, to show you that I have authority over the internal stuff that you can't see, I'm going to display my power over the things that you can see, so that you will believe that I am God. I want to reiterate something real quick here. Only God can forgive your sins. If I wronged Robert, and I did something to offend him, which happens all the time. <laughs> He's sensitive. 
<laughs> Robert can forgive me. We're called in the Bible to forgive one another. He can forgive the offense to him, but he can't forgive me of my sin if I sinned against him. Only God can forgive our sin. That is something that you have to get right. We talked about sin being a problem that you can't see or feel, but it's really there. It's still real in your life. Only God can forgive that sin problem. Good deeds cannot forgive sin. Sometimes we reason with ourselves saying, man, I really messed up. I'm going to have to go the extra mile to make up for this. Well, that doesn't work with sin in your life. You know, just like my conversation with that state trooper when I got pulled over, he didn't care about all the times that I didn't drive on the shoulder. The only time he cared about was the one time that I broke the law and I got in trouble for that. It's the same way with sin in our life. It doesn't matter how many times we do good. When we sin and we have unconfessed, unrepented sin in our life, that's what causes us to lose our relationship with God. You must ask forgiveness for your sin. Remember that God is a loving, a caring, and compassionate God. And he forgives us. That's who he is. That's the character of God. It's right there in the word for us to read. Now our story ends where the man got up, took his mat, and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, We have never seen anything like this before. How powerful is that ending? Pretty amazing. I would love to see something like that. Well, we do get to see stuff like that. We get to see those miracles all the time in people's lives. The man was carried in on this mat by his faithful friends, and he walked out of there, sins forgiven, and healed, carrying his own mat. That mat that he carried was a symbol for the whole world to see. We all have our own mat that we carry. That is a symbol of our testimony. It is what God has done in our life. It shows the world, look at how I once was, and now look at how I am now. That is exactly how people living right now, in 2024, can witness the active, personal, transforming, get up off your mat, power of Jesus Christ. They see it in our testimony. They see it in the way that we live. They see it in the conversations we have, in the way that we carry ourselves. We witness to the entire world by our actions, by the words that we speak, and the relationships that we have, and the friendships that we keep. They also see it in the people that we carry. Let's use our stretcher. How can we show the world that we were once lost and now we're found? Let's help carry people into knowing that the God of this universe sees them, loves them, forgives them, and wants to have a very personal relationship with all of them. We all have a story 
of how God has touched us. There is power in that testimony, and sharing it is how God works through us to reach people in this world. 1 Peter 3.15 commands us to keep Christ as Lord of our hearts and to always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks to give the reason for the hope that you have. Just like I carried Emma to the hospital for help, who is it that you're carrying? You know, chances are that you're sitting here today, right now, thinking about the person that you're carrying. We all carry somebody with us inside. As I invite the worship team back up here to sing one final song, let's use this time of worship to reflect on the person that you're carrying and how you can carry that person to Christ. How can you be a faithful friend for that person? How can you reach out to them and bring them to this caring, loving, and compassionate God? They need to hear your story of encouragement. They need to hear your story of love. God bless you guys, and have a great week.